Local voices, local conversations. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. I'm Jeff Sheckman. This being an election year in the city of Napa, we're going to be hearing a lot about projects, about growth, about housing, and about the future of the city. Much of it will come from candidates and individuals with very special electoral agendas. That's why I thought we'd start the year with a more objective look at what the City of Napa Planning Commission is up to, what are some of the projects that are making their way through the process and the reality of their consideration, and joining me to begin to talk about this. I'm joined by longtime Napa City Planning Commissioner Mike Murray. He's also the CFO of Napa Recycling and Waste Services, and it is my pleasure to welcome Mike Murray here to Napa Broadcasting for the first time. Mike, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the chance to discuss those issues. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, I mentioned that uh, you're a longtime member of the Planning Commission. You've been on since about 2011, I think. Is that right? Yeah, this is my eighth year, and I currently serve as the chair of the commission this year. Talk a little bit about, in the eight years you've been on the commission, how, if at all, it's changed, how the complexion of it has changed, not necessarily in terms of people, but in terms of focus, and how it interacts with the city. And just as the city has grown, what have you seen change on the commission? Well, I think probably the number one biggest change was the adoption of the downtown specific plan, which basically put out the roadmap for how downtown Napa would be developed. And uh, we've seen numerous projects uh, uh, use that uh, document to uh, come to fruition. So we have the Archer Hotel, we have some other commercial developments, and I think um, the Copia area is another area that's uh, developed or redeveloped, uh, to say, and that document, I think, is the forefront of that. But also, we've seen a huge push on housing. Uh, most of the housing uh, that we have is infill housing, so we're using land that exists within side of our boundaries. We're not expanding outside the city boundaries or the RUL, but we're using small swaths of land to build either single residence homes or um, other condominiums or townhouses. But I think when I first joined the commission, it was really uh, focused on single family residents. Mm -hmm. And now we've switched into multi-family type residents, apartment complexes, the Project on Central Avenue is a perfect example, 170-plus units, uh, some of those affordable um, that were approved a couple of years ago, and we just extended their um, process so they could uh, re-look at that because that changed hands. Mm-hmm. But we've approved a lot of, <clears throat> of good good housing, Anton Place, Silverado Trail. So I think the type of housing stock has changed a lot. And I think the use of our land has changed, and um, we've used more, um, better, higher use of that land, better use of it to provide a need out there which is uh, affordable mm-hmm. uh, or reasonably uh, priced housing. One of the things I don't think people understand is that you guys, <clears throat> the city council and the planning commission, can't make things happen. You can only deal with what's brought to you. You can certainly put it out there to to the business community and to the public that you would approve or you want to see more of a certain kind of housing, but you can only respond to what's brought to you. Right. It's very market-driven. 
<clears throat> it's um, you have investors in property or potential investors in property that have their vision and they just we basically give them the rule book or the design guideline book to operate under um, so it's really their vision on what they want to do with that piece of property that they might own or have mm -hmm. potential ownership in um, I think only in the commercial vein the city can cut deals like they did with uh, Todd Sapolsky on the Archer and a mm -hmm. sales tax swap to make make that development work. Um, and I think that's how they can work. And there also could be a funding mechanism for <clears throat> the use of some of this affordable housing funds, but they don't really direct uh, it, that except at the general plan level and specific plan levels that they might have uh, put out mm -hmm. in public. Talk a little bit about the design review process. That's a big part of what you're involved in on the Planning Commission. And I know everybody likes to chime in with their opinions on these things. Over the years, there have been architects on there and, and, and people with, with varying points of view in terms of what things should look like. You know, it, with respect to some of it, it's possible to be objective. and other parts of it, it's a pretty subjective business. Yeah, it's goes back to really um, the architect that the developer or uh, owner of the property would hire. But uh, in the housing arena, you know, we're really looking at foresight architecture. Mm -hmm. But the city has guidelines uh, that, that to be followed. So it's really the quality of materials that are used um, and not just, uh, uh, just stamping out the same home. So right. a diversity... In, I, I was really home. struck recently. I think it was the the Wine Train Hotel project that, that came before you mm -hmm. recently, and it's still early on in that process, and there were some designs. And I think it was one of your colleagues said something in a meeting that it just wasn't awesome enough, or <laughs> words to that effect. I couldn't quite understand yeah. what that meant in terms of policy. Yeah. It's, um, you know, in, in regards to the Wine Train, I, the initial, you know, I saw – copies of that probably a year ago or um so the initial you know look at it was ugh, um this kind of looks odd however they didn't really change anything mm -hmm. and then what we got presented was a total uh polar opposite change so they 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 took some people's advice and that could be the city planners um, probably gave them some, you know, suggestions, and they took those to, to really, you know, spice up the architecture, make it look a little bit different. But when you get into interpretations, uh, that's where I think you run into problems. What mm -hmm. you know, modern architecture is versus, you know, mid-century modern, and and yes, we have an architect and we have a artist on our committee. And I think where they help is really. Um, in the areas of, of what it looks like. And a lot of times we don't get the full picture. Uh, we don't get right. 3d modeling and things like that. So it's, you're looking at a one image, you know, one dimension image and it's hard to see details. So we really push for them to give us that information. Right. Also, a lot of times <clears throat> projects come along that might look a little bit different or they might seem to not fit in. And I've seen this over and over again with projects and they ultimately get built and everybody hates them for a little while. Right. And then it's like, oh, it's been, been here forever, part of the landscape. <laughs> Don't destroy that. Right. No, that happens. And it's, um, 
but you know it's it's just like art you know we can have totally different opinions on some piece of art um it's the same thing with buildings mm -hmm. um so so you just you have to go with your gut feel and what you feel is the best um but we usually don't get much public comment on that design that, that stuff. part of it yeah talk a little bit about how the planning commission interfaces these days with the city council how aware are you of what the members of the council are thinking, what their policy objectives are when you guys are looking at a project? Well, many times uh, the planning department will give us some heads up, um, but a lot of times, and we can bring up the, the marijuana ordinance, so that basically started at the city council level. So we got their opinion, what they would mm -hmm. want to be, went back to the planning department, they structured the ordinances, and then we took our um, time with it and gave them suggestions back because most of the time we're, we serve in an advisory capacity. Um, we're not always making the final decision. But a lot of times we're not always brought in on the loop. So, for example, uh, hotels. Um, oh. If the city's going to start doing some Master plan in the Copia area, I think it'd be nice to know what they're going to be doing, when they're going to be doing that. And um, our planning manager, who's uh, pretty new on the staff, does give us good updates, but um, we don't meet that much with the city council. And I, yeah. I, I would I'd really want to do that so we could have more discussions. But we are meeting. Would that about, help? Would that yeah. save time? Would it make <clears throat> the process easier for both applicants and for the commission? Yeah. I think uh, we'd really understand where they where they lay. And, you know, hotels are, you know, going to be the big issue this year because mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of misconceptions that we've built, you know, a lot of hotels. Well, we really haven't. We've, we've, we have three that are in the different processes, but we just had two that were done, Hampton and Archer, and then you have the Meritage project. So there might be some on the books, but when they're going to happen, who knows? And but, some of them don't happen. Yeah, I mean. and they, and, you know, they, they sit there and they get entitled. So it would be nice if the city's got, the city council has a different opinion on hotel growth. I think they need to talk to us, to let us know that, hey, we're, we're going to slow the process down or we're going to change the process. But I think they're a little scared to do that um, because uh, the TOT is a big driver of right. the budget. But they also, the Copia is a perfect example of you have potential for three new hotels in that area. Um, and then the, <clears throat> the cell of the Copia South lot um, also puts another um, – complexity on that and then the water street project that the county right. also does so that's a good good area that should be master planned mm -hmm. and the city should spend the time and energy they have a lot of experts that work in the planning department and they should use them part of it is though that it, it is market driven also mm -hmm. to a large extent and as you were saying a few minutes ago a lot of these hotels that have been proposed and some that have even been approved will never get built right it's yeah, it's a lot of people, you know, do flipping of projects. And we've seen that in the housing area that uh, they'll come in and get approval entitlements from us and then flip it. And then the next group comes in and wants to redo things. Well, right. that takes time 
and doesn't. And the other needs. part of it is that I don't think that the public has a clear idea of how much effort it is to get one of these projects done for the developer. That you know, you're not going to get the yeah. financing till it's approved, and then once you get it approved, you got to go out and try to turn find the financing. Yeah. And the market conditions yeah. may have shifted in that period of time. Oh, exactly. And it, you know, we have a housing project on. Sosco down near um, Knob Hill that mm -hmm. um, will actually not probably get done till 2019 because it's a low-income housing, affordable housing project that's got to get special funding. And uh, they will not have their funding till mid this year or later uh, this year. So, What are your thoughts with respect to, and this relates to both of those <clears throat> issues, every time a hotel project comes along, somehow the conversation tilts over on its side and we're having a housing conversation. Mm -hmm. And we sort of we lose sight of whatever the hotel merits may or may not right. be. Talk a little bit about how you, how you guys are dealing with that. Well, we're, we're not really dealing with it well at this point. We're not, um, you know, it's conversations that myself personally might have with someone. They might come to me and say, this is what we're doing. So I can put that bug in their ear to take a look at it. But... But you have a lot of outside groups, so the housing coalition group. Um, it'd be really nice to know, you know, what you know their full agenda is and what their resources are and what they really plan to do. Um, it's great they come and give us public comments. However, maybe they should be working with some of these, mm -hmm. uh, give them some ideas. Um, and I think that's the issue: is that you know who's going to take the burden. And when do you start to lay that burden? And what project's the first one that says, oh, well, you're not going to get approved until you provide workforce housing? And I think that's going to be the hard step to take. And um, that's why a master plan of the Copi area where if Mr. McConnell's going to put in housing right. in his area, that's great. Well, maybe the Water Street property would be better for housing. Um, but actually with the wine train, I think you're probably going to hear a proposal from them on that. But mm -hmm. um, I'm not um, sure that, you know, I know that they're talking about it. So, mm -hmm. Is it realistic in your view personally to, to <clears throat> impose housing requirements on, on hotel developers that are coming in? No, it's, uh, it's hard to. It's because um, what I said before, it's really all – okay, this project's fine, but you have no housing requirement, but, oh, you do. So now you've set up a set of rules, and um, and I'm not sure it's going to be fairly applied. Um, so I think, you know, we're running out of land, and so all you can really do is have them suggest they look at it, but um, to mandate, I think, would be be problematic. Talking about housing, one of the certainly one of the noisier projects that uh, you've been involved in lately. I'm not sure it's one of the biggest, but certainly one of the noisiest has been the Napa Oaks project, and uh, you wound up on on the minority side of mm -hmm. that project. Talk a little bit about how you saw it and and what it represented as far as you were concerned. Well, first it was a it was a project that was pretty small in scope. It's only fifty two or three homes um it they were well hidden they spent a lot of time and um the bigger the biggest issue was the general plan amendment 
Um, so we don't really have uh, pure rules of they do X, you get Y. But uh, I think a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of things in our application indicated good faith efforts to the city um, that would um, make them uh, get that, would allow them to get that general plan amendment. That means the water upgrades mm -hmm. that would allow a better water system in that area of town, um, traffic issues on Old Sonoma. Um, I think those are two big things that could have been worked out, and they're, they're also – doing an easement on some property across the street to reserve that. And and to your point, yeah. just to interrupt us, it's a small project. I right. mean, this is not Napa Pipe we're talking about. As right. you say, it's 52 homes. Right. And and unfortunately, I think there's a lot of a lot of fear of what was going to happen. And um, the problem with our process when it becomes a public process is is a lot of times the experts the engineers, the traffic people, and all that, they don't get enough time to really explain that, that how water would flow off that piece of property and how it's going to mm -hmm. be captured to really explain that because, you know, I've, I heard that their fear the houses would slide off the hill and different things like that, but in the earthquake faults. So there's a lot of regulations that people are not aware of um, that, that I'm, you know, California has rules. You can't build a house right on top of the fault. You got to be within right. certain foot away. So I think <clears throat> the developer went through and did the EIR, did mitigated all that. So that, to me, that's a big effort and a big, uh, price tag to put on that to, to get the general plan amendment, um, so that that's kind of why I went on their side. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, once that general plan amendment was done, the real work's going to start because the <clears throat> the architecture on the property was not good. It was right. it could have been enhanced. Um, the little uh, th um, pocket park and other things. I'm not sure someone wants to buy a, a very expensive house with a park right next to it. Right. You know, so there was a lot of things that needed to be worked at. So we're seeing it at the very preliminary stages. <clears throat> and um, I think a lot, the developer needs to give a lot more. And, um, and what know. happens next on that project? It'll go to the city council. And uh, they'll go through the same process we did. Mm -hmm. And um, so all we give is a recommendation for that project, and our recommendation was no. So they'll go through that same, give the the hearing the same same things, but it does allow the developer to go back and tweak what he's doing. Right. You know? And then it has to come back. I mean, if they get the general plan amendment from the city council, right. who knows if they will or not. Right. But if they did, they still have to come back to you guys for all these other things that you were just talking about. Right. Design review. The process starts all over site again. Site plan. Right. And um, that'll be interesting how that's handled. Uh, there is talk that the city council would handle it all if the general plan was... Uh, amended um but I, that's the biggest hurdle they have to jump over mm -hmm. right now how difficult is it one of the other things you're involved in is taking a look at a, the possible new city hall 
et cetera, et cetera, downtown. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a funny position to be in in that you're part of the city, taking a look at the city project that the city right. wants. Talk a little bit about how that works and what added pressure, if any, it creates. Well, we've um, the city council invited us into a workshop environment where the project was introduced to us. So we were able to review the preliminary drawings and um, preliminary designs and give our opinion on those at a design review level. Um, but it, yeah, it does put you in a precarious uh, position. But um, as I told the mayor, I said, this is a project. We need to see the whole thing. You just can't piecemeal it to us. So here's the city hall. Well, that's great. On the model, there's a lot of other structures. Right. We don't have any idea what, what you know, a hotel, what, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, bigger pieces to the puzzle. And I'm glad that we're a part of the process. It's just I'm not really sure in the end of the game how much um, has already been decided by the city council. And, the, uh-huh. and we're really, you know, going through our process, however, you know, how effective we're going to be in making any change if we need to. Um, but it's a very interesting design building and very interesting concept. And um, it'd just be nice to know the whole plan of what they do with the old site and all that. And, and there's a lot of moving balls on, well, on, on this project. project. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the influence, because we were talking about Napa Oaks, and that's kind of a, a penultimate example. The influence of NIMBYs, of the community, of people coming in when they get excited for or against something, and they come in in huge numbers. Now, what impact does that have on, on all of you sitting up there? Well, I think it... Knowing, knowing yeah. that you're an advisory yeah. capacity, that it's you're not making the ultimate decision. Right. I think it has different effects on different people. Uh, over my time, I can just speak for myself. Um, if they're adding something new to the conversation, uh, that's what I'm really looking for. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just um, uh, mima birds up there repeating something that someone told them that they should be saying uh, instead of, giving uh, salient uh, information to us. Um, I have a uh, friend of mine lives in that area, and his concern was that people are going to start driving down his street to get to Foster Road. And I said, well, let's logically look through that. Okay, so they're going to take a right-hand turn off Old Sonoma, go on to um, Caswell, then take a – Another left turn on your street, then to get onto Foster Road. I said, I don't think people really drive that way. I think there might be a few that think that might be a better way, but I don't think that is. So, so we have traffic study to back up our information. Right. So if someone brings something against that traffic report that is fact based and makes a lot of sense, yeah, I would take that into effect, but. You have to be careful getting wrapped up into having 50, 60 people there, you know, clapping, stamping their feet, doing right. their things. Um, but there was a very coordinated effort on Napa Oaks, and um, I, I appreciated the public input, you know, but um, but there were, there were issues that I think could have been solved in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
what I've always thought. Um, There's a lot of fear that gets ginned up. In oh, yeah. Things. Oh, it, a lot of fear mongering. Um, it just happens that, you know, that, you know, things, you know, 500 trips a day. People look at the 500 number and they don't understand that trips are during a certain time frame. So you, you really, you know, divide that out. It's not that many cars moving extra cars right. but if you tell people that i mean you know again 50 houses maybe yeah. you know 100 and something people 150 people whatever right. you know how are, do you get how many trips a day do you make 10 yeah. trips a day eh, maybe not <laughs> yeah. 10 oh yeah so you know you know it's it, it's hard it's um <clears throat> you know it's the other issues you deal with um like view shed issues <clears throat> so I live on the backside of that hill, and and I don't want my view obstructed. Well, there happens to be four or five homes off the side of Old Sonoma Road that have tore down trees that are not blocked. We have a chance to tell a developer, hey, you're putting up trees. You're you're you know you're putting the properties down lower. You know there's there's ordinances involved in it, and and that's to get a better product up there. And I think right. we weren't allowed to go that step to get a better product up there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it may be back. I, I mean, yeah, that, I it mean, could be. Who knows? Just. Who knows? <laughs> Talk a little bit, uh, finally, about, we were talking housing before. What are your thoughts on what's happening vis-a-vis -vis Old Sonoma Road? I mean, it's partly the county's issue, but the city's in the mix as well. Yeah, it. I think, the county you know, at this point just really makes needs to make a decision on what they're going to do. Are they going to master plan it themselves, or are they going to allow a developer to come in and do it? Um, you know, they've brought in the neighbors. They've done a lot of the the stuff that the city asks the developer to do. Um, so I think they just need to be clear on what their next steps are. However, I think the the civic center issue is. Um, coming up because they might want to house employees there for a couple of years when that building's built. So that, that could delay plans. But um, I think this county just needs to make a choice of who's going to take the charge on master playing that, if it's them or an outside company, and um, let the process flow. Right. Um, well, it the, impacts the city in terms of its broader planning in terms of housing. Right. Well, it fills, it fills a need that um, exists, um, and I think that that's a good thing. It's just getting the right mix of housing, and it's getting the right mix of, of siting the houses so it doesn't disturb the neighbors. So, you know, it, it's going to be a whole EIR process most likely, mm -hmm. um, so the neighbors will get a chance to chime in. But it also, the city could look at it and also push, you know, a lot of our traffic issues on Old Sonoma Road have to do with that there's no way to get on or off Highway 29. So why wouldn't they push towards some traffic issues too right. while you're at it? So look at the whole area. Just don't look at that side, but look at a little bit bigger sphere of that area mm -hmm. to see how that would affect. And that that's something the city, I would hope would spend some dollars and time to do is it still fun you've been doing this for a while as we talked about at the outset uh, does it feel routine every time or does every new project or at least every bigger new project seem uh, new and exciting well it's 
it's fun because um, you get to see a lot of new stuff that's coming down. But I think the best part is is going and meeting these the people that are putting their investments in this community mm-hmm. and talking to them about their ideas and their thoughts and philosophies and. I think that's what keeps me coming back for more is that we're just not, you know, doing housing project after housing project. It's different stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And people are entrepreneurial in nature. And I, I love that because I kind of am an entrepreneur myself. And I think it's great that people are taking their time and energy and their resources to better our community. So I want to want to be part of that. And um, it's a uh, not going to be boring this year, so uh, <laughs> I'll stick in there. But What's uh, more fun, the housing projects or the commercial projects? <laughs> well, I think the commercial projects are uh, a lot more fun because you're getting a lot higher quality of uh, architect. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bounty Hunter Project, perfect example. Plus, we also do preliminary reviews. So, you know, we, we see them probably on an individual basis. We do a preliminary review. So we have a lot more input. Um, a housing project, we'll do a preliminary re- review when it's big enough. Um, so a lot of times you're not going to get big housing projects because we don't have the dirt to build on. So, right. so yeah, I think the commercial environment's a lot more exciting. And do you think that uh, decisions this year, projects this year, the things you look at, will be somehow infused a little bit by the fact that it's a city election year? Well, I think um, <clears throat> depending on what our role, if we're recommending projects and I, I, and going up, when they go upstairs, I think a um, few people that are sitting there in their uh, hot seat to get elected are probably going to take a little, maybe a little bit different look, you know, and see how that might impact because um, the developer probably has zero votes, but uh, the 500 neighbors have 500 votes. So (laughs) (laughs) I think they're doing a lot of math in their head, but I think they, I think they always take a look at any projects that are going to be some melding point to, to people causing them not be liked anymore. So Mike Murray, currently the chairman of the Napa city planning commission. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Jeff. It's been great. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.